time for Frisky Friday and this is the last episode of Frisky Friday because this is my last day on the show. Um, my weekly segment about sex and sexuality and we're closing it out with a look at sex therapy. Mm-hmm. I'm joined in the studio by Kristen Zeising who's mm-hmm. a clinical psychologist and certified sex therapist who does both individual and couple therapy. Welcome to the program Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah it's great to have you here and uh, we're also on Facebook Live so if you go to my Facebook page Karen on Radio 3 you can see as well as here Kristen there. So Kristen, let's start with Sex Therapy 101. What does a sex therapist do? Okay, well I'll tell you one thing, the sex therapist does not have any sort of sex with their clients. Okay, good. A a thing I have to say because some people still in this day and age have a little bit of a curiosity about that or get kind of concerned that there's some kind of touching. It's talk therapy. It's just like psychotherapy in general, but we talk about sex and your sexuality and how to have the best sort of sex life you can have. And there's many layers to that. But basically, it's talk therapy, helping you get over old hang-ups about your sexuality, work through trauma, or help your relationship become the best sexual relationship it can be. Oh, okay, great. So now you were a clinical psychologist first before you were a sex therapist, right? So how did you get into sex therapy, and what did you see as the need there? Well, I've been a licensed clinical psychologist since 2003, and then I find that I'd actually ask questions to people about their sexuality because I felt like this is an important part of their lives when actually a lot of therapists don't. We only get like one class in human sexuality in grad school. So many people don't even think it's important to ask and go there. But when I would ask, people would often say, oh, yeah, I do have an issue. Or they'd be in couples therapy for five years, come see me and say their therapist never asked about their sexuality. And they had an issue. So I felt like it was a really important need uh, and a good niche to fill. So what I did is I became a certified sex therapist through an organization called ASECT. It's the American Association of Sexuality Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. And it's the largest governing body for sex therapists about two and a half to three year program so I can learn all about the biology, our physical chemistry, our hormones around sexuality. Um, We look at how culture affects your sexuality, religion, family background, you name it. It's very broad, very um, large breadth of information we learn about that impacts someone's sexuality. Mm. You know, it's interesting because sometimes, uh, uh, you know, and here in Hong Kong, as you know, sex education is really not very good yeah. and sexuality education is almost non-existent. Yes. So people often, if they have a sexual problem, they just think it's all physical. It's all mm-hmm. something wrong with my body or yeah. with my partner's body. Yeah. But it's really a lot more than that, isn't it? It's a lot more than that. And I think in some ways it would almost be easy. If it was just physical, if you could just take a pill, then we make the problem go away. In reality, a lot of times there's a lot of issues around around um, relationship dynamics. For example, I've couples come in who've had anger and resentment at their partner for years, and no wonder you don't want to have sex, you know? Or they have, again, old traumas that impact them, their sense of self and their sexuality. They might feel anxious. They might, they might have anxiety disorders or depression. That affects their sexuality. So it's really, there's a lot more to it that we have to explore to mm. help you feel free again. Yeah. and. When you when you do when you undergo sex therapy, do you usually see um, people individually, or do you see them as a couple, or, or both? Actually, um, it's both. It's depending on who comes in and who wants the treatment. I've had men and women come in individually, where say a woman has problems with orgasm and she needs to just meet with me and, and learn how to how to be orgasmic. Then she'll yeah. come in individually. Or a male has a pr- problem with um, erectile dysfunction. 
Um, but then I'll have a couple come in saying, hey, you know, the number one issue for couples is what we call mismatched desire, mm -hmm. desire discrepancy, where one person wants sex more than the other. So they'll come in and talk about how do we rectify that? How do we find some way to be both satisfied? Mm, okay. So um, that's often the case. Uh, is a problem like that, if it's a common problem, yeah. is, it, is it easy to solve? Is it easy to solve? I wouldn't say it's it's easy because most people come in and they've been battling with it for quite a while. Right. So the longer you've been dealing with a problem and not dealing with it effectively, the more it's ingrained. And so by the time they come in to me, it's usually been years and years of this power struggle. But I think when you do come in, if you have an open mind and you're willing to look at yourself, not just go fix my partner, change my partner, which right. is most people do, <laughs> but go, how can I be different? How can I show up differently in relationship? Then we have ability to make progress. Yeah. So if you if you were to rewind, if how how can couples prevent that from happening? The mismatch desire? Yeah. I think early on, having conversations about what makes you excited, what turns you on, um, how are you going to meet your partner sexually? How how are you going to give to your partner? How do you how do you take care of each other and and value their sexual needs? Um, also, just being honest. You know, some people go, "Look, I really could have sex every few weeks," right. and there might be somebody else who goes, "Oh, I really like it." every other day. Right. If you talk about that early on and you realize that's actually true to who you are, you might take a different look at how far you want to go in this relationship. But I think the problem is people don't talk about sex in that way. They get together, they get excited, and yes. at first you're just all the hormones are rushing anyway, so maybe you want it more. And if you're not talking about it, you don't realize over time that maybe these true levels of differing desire come out. Yeah. And then by then you're kind of getting in this stuck place. Yeah. So Well, we've talked uh, on the other show that I used to, used to do the Agenda Cafe about that limerence period yes. where you know you have you can't get your keep your hands off each other yeah. and you yeah. have butterflies in your stomach and then of course life takes over um, <laughs> you know, and I, I mean life events that can really change that are for example having children mm -hmm. I mean having children is probably the worst thing for your sex life right? they and, do show statistics that right after having children for a few years it's one of the hardest times for couples yeah so but people don't really talk about you know what is the effect on our, our sex life going to be once we have kids because mm -hmm. you just you know the kids arrive and you just full-on yeah. taking care of them so so should they be having conversations like that well I think it's really important to have conversations about what's normal and what to expect you know I think sometimes we all want to think we're different like those people had a hard time but we'll be different well we're all pretty human and normal and we all kind of follow similar patterns like most likely after you have kids it's probably going to be some sort of challenge so it's best to talk about it and be able to say okay i'm 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 tapped out like i hear a lot of moms say i'm tapped out meaning i've had kids all over me they've been touching me and needing me i don't want my partner touching me and needing me you know to be able to talk about that and normalize it and for the partner to say okay I, I, maybe i can empathize a little bit a little bit of understanding can go a long way and then be able to create some time though too where you go how do I, as a, like maybe as a mom, how do I take care of myself? How do I give to myself so that I feel, I don't know, just soothed and 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 ready to actually yeah. get into some sexual interaction and, and not just a mom, yes. not just the mother figure, and, yes. but to actually just be a sexual being again. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, what would you say are some common misperceptions around sex and sexuality that that you've come across in Hong Kong? Well, gosh, in Hong Kong, as well as in other places, I think a lot of people see movies, see porn, see situations where they think that their genitals should look a certain way, that their orgasm should come 
quite quickly that they should be always hot and heavy. And I have to educate and normalize that that in a long-term relationship, if you've been married 10 years, first of all, you're probably not going to want it all the time. It's not going to be hot and heavy. Um, that our bodies have all shapes and sizes, and it's about loving your body and accepting your body and your partner's body. You know, and, and just normalize that there's a huge range of what we look like, what we feel like, and sexuality. Um, I just think when we when we judge ourselves and have certain expectations and these certain standards we try to meet, then we feel disappointed, and then we judge ourselves, and then we feel less than. So I really like educating that the, don't try to be like those people you see in the movies. Right, yeah, I think you're right, because there is um, so much more access to, mm-hmm. you know, sexualized images whether mm-hmm. it's through, through advertising or porn or you know for people who are using hookup apps there's yeah. it's you know it's very easy to find someone to have sex with but then in terms of satisfaction yeah. um, are people really getting what they want do they even know what they want that's a really good point and you mentioned even in Hong Kong um, I think in the States when I worked in the States there's a little bit more openness about talking about sexuality I find here in Hong Kong is a little more secretive feelings um, maybe more shy just not as open as far as my experience about talking about sexuality and so you know if people don't have really good sex education growing up which most people don't um, if family they're not talking about it if they haven't really explored for themselves they may not know what they want so they might do what they what the partner wants what they think is expected of them but I think I, I like to educate people and help guide them along a path of what, who are you what is it that really turns you on what really do you like and then giving yourself permission to ask for that so when you work with, say, couples who've been together for a long time, mm-hmm. and as you mentioned, may have those years <laughs> of baggage that yeah. they come to you with, um, is the outcome always good? I mean, can can people get past that and say, okay, we? I suppose you have to make a conscious decision about yeah. whether you want to carry on or not, right? Yeah, and I think a lot of people get to that breaking point. Do you want to carry on or not? And they think it's black and white. But I think you know, there's a lot of things we can do to explore. To, to, what I do is I ask people to self-confront, meaning look at yourself. Have you, have you really asked for what you needed? Have you really come to your partner with, with your full sexual self? Or do you get lazy? Do you kind of get in your routines? Do you kind of say, oh, maybe tomorrow? You know, I think when people self-confront and look at that, they will often say, gosh, I really didn't risk putting myself out there anymore. You know, and I haven't really done those things I know my partner might really like. What if, what if I decided to try that again? What could happen? Because I know in the beginning it was easier to do and through routines and family and work schedules we just again get complacent and lazy but if we put as much work into our sex life and our relationship as we do our regular jobs I think we'd be much better places and then see what could happen. Yeah we'd probably be much happier as well right? Yes yeah yeah. it's a different mentality and a different viewpoint about looking at your sexuality and relationships it's about tending to it like a garden and having open minds and not blaming and not shaming but going how do I want to be in this relationship? Am I coming from the best place of myself? Mm. It's hard, though, to be vulnerable to even to your partner who you've known for you know twenty years, because yeah. nobody really wants to come across as so exposed. Sometimes, especially mm-hmm. something that's so personal about their sexuality. There is. How do you encourage people to be vulnerable? But isn't that interesting? You can be living with somebody, married to them for twenty years, and still think there's this piece that's too vulnerable. I, I think that's fascinating. So in relation in the in the couples therapy, when we bring that out. It's probably the most intimate they've been in a long time to help encourage them to express themselves and even say, I feel scared to bring this to you. It's probably the most vulnerable and intimate they have been. And that just is already a shift. 
So I think that's the first step is providing a safe, supportive environment that's non-judgmental. I'm there to support them. I'm a sex-positive therapist, and I say, whatever makes you happy is what you should be doing. So let's talk about that. Let's start putting some things out there, making little baby steps. And I find that once they start opening up, they feel like less of a burden. They feel free, and that energy starts flowing to them more. And they look at their partner, and they start getting more excited again. It's like, oh, that's that person I fell in love with. That's that person I first felt excited about. They can find that again. Okay, so you can rediscover that spark. Yes, yes. It is possible. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Um, and then there's one other thing I was just thinking about, um, which is maybe more of an extreme issue, but the issue of sex addiction. Is uh-huh. that, what is that exactly? Alrighty. So in my field, there's a lot of controversy over this term sex addiction versus maybe sexual compulsivity is what a lot of us call it. Basically, it's a way of using sex um, in a way that's maybe not not best for you, not unhealthy for you. In other words, if if you're if you say you're going to prostitutes um, regularly, it, yeah, we can look at the fact that you're going there, and in and of itself, for some people that's perfectly fine. But if you're using it as a way to cover up underlying feelings, as a way to not deal with other things in your life, or as a way that's it's getting in the way of your work and your relationship, that's when it's a problem, and we have to look at what that's really about. So it's kind of a symptom overlying an under deep, a deeper problem underneath. Mm. And uh, would people who have this problem, would they necessarily actually be aware that they've gone this far? Or is it something that maybe someone else might have to point out? Sometimes it's a partner who says, I see you're doing this, or I've caught you cheating. Usually that's the kind of situation and brings it up. But I've had people say, you know what, I'm not feeling good about myself. I'm, mm. I'm going after these things that I know in the moment feel good, but I feel shame afterwards. I feel bad about myself afterwards. And that's a sign that something's not right. And they feel like they just can't let go. So we look at, okay, what's, what's driving you to do this? So if if there are listeners out there who maybe are not 100% happy in their, their sex life, in their relationship, what's the first step? Do you think it's go see a therapist first or, or should they be having the conversations um, together at home first? Well, ideally, I, I would hope that they could bring it to their partner in a, in a gentle way, in a, in a way in which they're saying, hey, I, I've noticed that maybe our sex life isn't quite where it used to be. Have you noticed that? Or... Or if they could say, hey, there's some things I'd really like to try. Could, could we do that? Coming with a positivity, again, not the blaming and you nevers or things right. like that. But You always or you never. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't want to do that. But more just an openness and, and owning what it is you like and see how responsive their partner is. Um, that could be a first step. But if they find that you've been trying to talk about it and it's not getting anywhere or the conversations end up in a really negative space, then it's a time to come to a sex therapist. Mm, okay. Well, thank you so much, Kristen, for sharing what sex therapy is and isn't and, and how it can help people. I hope that if there's any listeners out there who who need to avail themselves, they've they've learned something today. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. And we've been speaking with uh, Kristen Zeising, who's a clinical psychologist and certified sex therapist who does both individual and couples therapy.